Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whatever time of the day it is that you are joining us. This is the uh, Tulsa World Scene podcast with the Tulsa World Scene pod people. Well, maybe I shouldn't call us. Anyway, um, welcome to our, our, our weekly discussion of, of things that will appear soon in the Tulsa World, available at Find news agents everywhere and online at TulsaWorld.com. Um, as everybody knows all too well, it is very, very hot. And one of the things that happens when things get very, very hot is people start thinking about lawns and plants and that sort of thing. And uh, I believe, Grace, you have a potential source for a lot of plant knowledge for this time of year. Yes, definitely. So I've got a story coming up this Saturday for World of Homes about a women and family-owned plant shop that opened up on Brookside next to three tequilas called Wildflower Market. And it's run by a woman named Erin Danielle alongside her younger daughter and her mother. And it's really cool. They source a lot of the plants from like local wholesalers, but they also grow a lot of the plants themselves in their backyard greenhouse. Erin um, told me with that when the shop first opened, she brought 187 of her own plants <laughs> from her house to sell in the shop. So it's just like a very like lush green environment when you go in there, it's super beautiful. Um, but she came up with the name Wildflower Market because Aaron is just a diehard Tom Petty fan. So she borrowed the name from his 1994 album called Wildflowers. And the market part of the name comes from really what Aaron wants her customers to get out of the experience of coming there. It's much more than just like a plant shop. They have everything from artisanal goods, like jewelry and art from local vendors. And they, they also host workshops every month with everything from like yoga and Tai Chi to cross-stitching and macrame and potting classes and a lot more. So, and soon Aaron said that they want to start having like cocktails and plant-based food from local restaurants. So it's a lot more than just your average plant shop. It's really like a full immersive experience that's run by a family, just really cool. So if you want to hear more about what they're doing there, um, that story will come out this Saturday. So be sure to check it out. Well, besides the temperature, the way that I know that it's hot is I've been to four stores looking for a lawn sprinkler and they're all sold out, everyone. <laughs> and, when, and when I step in my yard, it sounds like you're crunching Fritos. Or Avery Shriver is eating Doritos in one of those commercials from uh, 40 years ago. Uh, I just wanted to mention Avery Shriver today in our in our Zoom call. We, 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 no we, sprinklers we, for me. We, well, yeah, I, I'm. Um, when the house I live in has a sprinkler system that doesn't work, and so yeah, I've I've got. Um, uh, I, I I know it's bad when when cardinals line up on the bench that's up against my back window and they all have their beaks open and they're looking at me like anytime now. You know, <laughs> so I've, I, I, I actually tried to put out um, bowls of water and I went out and filled them up and uh, checked a couple of minutes later and it was like they practically evaporated completely so i'm not quite sure if if they drank it all in an hour or if it just evaporated in an hour but um what kind of are are, 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 are do they have are they primarily decorative plants do they uh offer kind of like you know 
fruits and vegetables and that sort of a thing or what what, what sort of it's mostly house plants um like pothos and monsteras and hanging plants but they also have a lot of succulents and stuff too i actually bought one i can show you i forgot that i have this right here but when i was there they had this little succulent in a teacup and it came oh. with a tiny little plate so i was like this is coming home with me. I have to have it. So lots of cute, like kind of artsy stuff like this. So, okay. oh. and Mike Simons took some really cool pictures of what they have in the store. So people can check oh. that out when the article comes out. Well, well I, 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 when you're talking about some of the things they were wanting to, to add, I, I, I knew that, I know that Jimmy's been looking for a new spot to do yoga, but <laughs> I will, I, I will, I will warn you now I speak from personal experience. Don't drink and macrame. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm just saying it's, it's, it's not pretty. <laughs> Thank so, you for the warning. <laughs> just, just letting you know. Well, um, uh, it's kind of, kind of sobering to know that uh, movies that came out when. Uh, you know, you measured your age, you know, below 20 are celebrating, you know, golden anniversaries, uh, one of which are nearly golden, one of which I believe is uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High that uh, you have some information on, Mr. Trammell. Yeah, believe it or not, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is 40 uh, this year. It was released August 13th, 1982. Circle Cinema is going to celebrate the 40th anniversary by showing it next week, Thursday, July 28th. And that was reason enough for me to, uh, you know, kind of go on a deep dive and see what I could find out uh, that people may find interesting about Fast Times at Ridgemont High beyond just watching the movie. So I've been, uh, you know, for research, I had to watch the movie again, you know, I mean, just work, 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 you know. Uh, so on Friday's paper, we'll have kind of a 10 things to know about Fast Times. Maybe you know this stuff, maybe you don't. But the neatest thing is, is uh, the way it started. And Cameron Crowe, you know, a great storyteller uh, in his early 20s, goes undercover at a San Diego high school uh, and just as a fly on the wall, observes people and writes a book, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's really hard to find. Uh, good luck paying less than $200 for it on eBay because it's not been reprinted and reprinted and reprinted. But that became the source material for a movie that, uh, stands the test of time. Just curious, have, did, did either of you ever order or, order a pizza to be delivered to your classroom? <laughs> like Jeff Spicoli. Uh, exactly. In the book, by the way, it was it was Rat that ordered uh, food to the classroom. But for the movie, it made more sense for Spicoli to order food for the classroom. But uh, no, I, I never had that much guts. I did get some M&Ms taken away from me in class once, so that was the closest thing. You know, Grace, maybe you're far worse behaved and ordered a pizza. I don't know. I know. I never did that. <laughs> Not bold enough. I did. I, the, the one time I uh, skipped out of school was to go eat pizza, but we didn't order it for the classroom, so... <laughs> that's what we ended up doing but anyway it was it was it it it, 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 we, we, it we were young and foolish now we're just old and foolish so well um 
speaking of anniversaries, um, this year is the 100th anniversary of the publication of Ulysses by James Joyce, which um, uh, is famously considered the, the, the greatest novel in the English language that most people have read that probably know more than 20 pages of. Um, but it is a, uh, a milestone of literature. And while you might not uh, associate James Joyce and Tulsa, the University of Tulsa has been a center of scholarship on James Joyce from the 1960s um, when they founded the James Joyce Quarterly. It was founded by Professor Thomas Staley. Um, and the, uh, the TU Library Special Collections has a uh, exhibit up uh, on the one, <clears throat> excuse me, on the 100th anniversary of, of Ulysses um, that has some uh, fascinating things, including they recently obtained, this might be seem a little esoteric and maybe a little macabre, but uh, a bronze statue of, made from James Joyce's death mask um, that they made after, after he died in 1941. So that's there um, with a blue and white tie that he wore, um, which matched the color of, I know way too much about this stuff, but the people at the library know a whole lot more. But anyway, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting little exhibit. It's in the special collections um, area of McFarland Library, which is on the fifth floor there. And it runs through September. So there's, there's for those who want to see it, it's there to be seen. Um, speaking of being seen, uh, Reservation Dogs second season is coming up soon, or has it started yet? I'm, I've been... It's coming up early August. In fact, there's a red carpet premiere uh, a week from Friday at River Spirit Casino uh, with a lot of the stars, you know, walking the red carpet there. Uh, I need to go ahead and knock that out and get that in uh, on the web ASAP. But uh dallas goldtooth plays the spirit william knifeman who mentors young bear underhill in reservation dogs he joined the writer's room this season for season two in addition to playing the spirit who will return in season two and uh so i had a, a phone interview with dallas goldtooth uh he has a long long association with sterling harjo in a sketch comedy group called the 1491 so named because uh they're an indigenous group, and 1491 obviously was the year before uh, Columbus showed up and things changed. But uh, all five members of the 1491s, the sketch comedy group, are now part of Reservation Dogs. So one thing led to another, and we've got some of that history in Sunday's paper. Do I remember correctly that the, the character that he plays is grew out of the 14, uh, 1491 sketch? Do I do I remember that correctly or am I making that up? I, I did ask him that and I, I put it in a way of like uh, sometimes when you're in the groundlings and you get uh, chosen to be on Saturday Night Live, you might take a character from the groundlings and go to SNL and that becomes a recurring character. And he said, uh, yes, there are elements of the spirit, William Knifeman, who appeared in 1491s. And now you see those elements uh, also in uh 
reservation dogs. He said there are, there are many Easter eggs for fans of the 1491s who are now watching reservation dogs. Okay. Uh, what our, our man West Studi, uh, locally, Oklahoma actor, also returns for season two, which is great. Okay. And he's got another movie that's I've either come out or is just out that's kind of a a, 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 a romance. Uh, if I, I, and the title escapes me, I can't remember uh, now, but that's that's another thing to um, look for, for West Duty. Um, let me ask you a question. If you were going to name a unique and iconic Oklahoma food, what would you what would you answer? Grace is thinking. Never, yeah, Grace is thinking. Should we should we oh, hopefully they'll put the Jeopardy theme on. <laughs> in, the mean, in the meanwhile, I will say wild onions. Okay. Uh, which is associated with native culture, but wild onions and scrambled eggs is uh, to me that's a, a very Oklahoma thing. Um, well, this this the, the dish I have in mind doesn't involve onions. Interesting. Um, I I don't know. I immediately went to like chicken fried steak. I feel okay. like that's that's kind of Oklahoma. But... No, no, that is very Oklahoma. <laughs> But what I, what the what the thing <clears throat> the thing that I'm talking about is the Oklahoma fried onion burger. Oh, ah. okay. and um, we have a story. Um, I believe it'll be running Thursday or Friday. Um, it's come to the attention of the New York Times, and they have a a, a, a columnist whose name is Kinsey Lopez Alt who uh, one of the things that he does for the New York Times is he'll take um, a familiar food and find ways to make it better. Uh, well, he wrote, <clears throat> he wrote a story that appears in the New York Times on Wednesday, the 20th, saying that the Oklahoma onion burger is something that cannot be improved upon. <laughs> it, just, it says just as it is. And it's, <coughs> it is remarkably simple. It is a ball of ground beef that you put on a very hot griddle. You cover with a ridiculous amount of onions. If you think you have too much, you probably don't have enough. <laughs> you smash it all down. When the bottom gets brown, you flip it over onto the onion side. You put the bun in the every, you know, and it's done in it's done in minutes. And it's if you've had one, they are. They, they are very, very good. If you don't like onions, you're kind of out of it. El Reno uh, in Western Oklahoma is kind of the epicenter. That was where this started back in the Depression as a way to stretch out um, the beef they were serving at, at, at a diner called, it was called the Hamburger Inn. Um, and now there's like four or five places in, in, in Reno that that's what they, they specialize in. Um, it's not quite under that name. It's not quite as can found easily here. Although any burger joint in town worth its salt, if you ask, they'll fry onions into the 
the patty, but it's not quite the same because they don't use the giant. I mean, it, it's it's like a, a whole onion sliced up very, very thin and put down on top of the, the burger. So we have a story about that coming up. And if you'd like burgers, we also do a, have a review this week of, uh, or, I mean, if you don't like burgers, I'll put it that way, our review this week is of Red Light Chicken. Uh, it's a new place in downtown, took over the old El Guapo place. Um, spicy and regular, bone-in and boneless. Um, if you want chicken, they got chicken. If you don't want chicken, they got chicken. Um, it's worth checking out, and uh, that'll be in the uh, Wednesday uh, paper. Um, what else? Anybody, anything else before we try to wrap up this week? I don't think so, except I just looked up a picture of an onion burger. Yeah. <laughs> That's so many onions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, way more than I expected. <laughs> it's, 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 it, yeah, that's why, that's why, that's why I said if you think you have too much, you probably don't have enough. So, yeah. are we talking about onions on top or onions fried into the burger? That start, yeah, onions on top. You, 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 they, they, they put the onions on top and mash them down with the burger. And then they flip the whole thing over. So the onions end up on the bottom. So you've got them where they're, um, you know, around the edges they get almost burned you know they get caramelized and they get kind of steamed you get like three or four different onion textures but if you do it at home they recommend open all the windows and turn on all the fans because the the, the smell of onions permeates everything as you cook these so best to do them outdoors or make a trip to el reno if nothing else would i be allowed to put heinz 57 on that thing and just eat it that way I, I I don't know if they would look askance at you to do that, but okay. uh, I know you're a fellow who lives on the edge, so I'd say go for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that wraps up our, our, our little bit for uh, this week. Uh, on behalf of my colleagues, Jimmy Trammell and Grace Wood, we thank you for spending some time with us, and we will gladly see you later. Bye. Behave. <laughs> <laughs>